Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Welcome to the end of your workday, perhaps five o'clock in the mountain time zone. The only state other than Alaska that comprises its whole own time zone. Let's hear it for the 406. <laughs> 329 the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And now in studio, happy to have former uh, defensive coordinator for Montana and Montana State and a current CU Buffalo, current, always a CU Buffalo, former player for the CU Buffaloes. Ty Gregorak in studio with us. Ty, hi, man. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Doing great. Glad to have you in here. Now, when the coaching situation, the carousel at Colorado, a week after the the signing day and everything. Not even a week, right? Yeah. Coulter calls me. He goes, Ty is ready to light off every firework in America <laughs> and come in here and 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 yell about it. So look, man, you know it from the inside, the situations that come up in coaching and collegiate coaching and moving and leaving and the cycles as they are with recruiting and now the early recruiting. Thing. But, you know, a guy can't necessarily help that the day after signing day, Mike D'Antonio decides to step down at Michigan State, opening up a job, doubling the salary, the whole deal. But also, does it not leave Colorado in a lurch? Where are we at with Colorado right now? Well, it was going to be if, if, if Michigan State was going to take a sitting head coach, mm-hmm. one program was going to go through some very interesting times yes. just because of the timing of the whole deal. Right. Now, if you take an assistant coach, you know, that, that, that's one thing. But they, but they chose to make a, a, a hire uh, with, with a sitting head coach. And, it, and it's an interesting move on, on so many different levels. And I don't know how much time we have today, guys. Oh, we got all the time. We got all the time. You know, you know, when you look at it, you go, okay, so he got his first head coaching opportunity about, what, 
14 months ago. I mean, I think he was hired December of 18. Mel right? Tucker. Mel yeah. Tucker. Yes, yes. All right, so he gets his first head coaching opportunity, and, you know, it, there, there's a lot of positive vibes down there, or at least there was prior to his departure, because I think a lot of people were excited about him yeah. as a coach, as a person, uh, the job that they had done, even though they finished five and seven. And, and guys, I mean, if you would, if you now Colorado is a special place. I listened to your guys's deal, uh, last week, I think it was, um, but Colorado has also come into some interesting times. And, you know, I've been, when it happened, I've been texting with a lot of former, uh, players and buddies and, you know, you just sit there and you go, boy, okay. So this guy goes five and seven, doesn't make a bowl. And now he's off to Michigan state doubles his salary, which I think everyone, you know, 99% of us are go, okay, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a business standpoint, from not just, not just a huge chunk of money, but potentially generational money. For right. Sure. Um, it, it, it just, it's, it's such an interesting time at Colorado because you sit there and you go, okay, he was making what? $2.6 million, which is a ton of money. He goes to Michigan State, which Michigan State's a huge program. And it's a big program, but you don't, when, when you think Big Ten, you know, you think it's Ohio like State, fifth Penn on the State, list, Michigan. Maybe, right. And it's just crazy. Wisconsin, to, Ty. Yeah, Wisconsin. You think Wisconsin? Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> let's be you clear. didn't give me time okay, to finish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, no, but no, I mean, in the last couple of months, you've seen Mike Leach, who was, who was set to make $4 million plus in Pullman, leave for Starkville at Mississippi State. You see Mel Tucker leave Boulder, Colorado, which is an unbelievable college town. It's a great place. But then he bolts for East Lansing for $5.5, $5.6 million. And you just sit there and you go, boy, it, this is some interesting times. And, and in all my drives, you know, I sit and I listen to you guys and I listen to sports folks all around. And, and you just sit there and you go, Boy, Colorado's potentially got some real issues to, to talk about, but the Pac-12 itself has some issues to discuss. In, in, because I brought up Mike Leach uh, before Mel Tucker, you know, and you're sitting there going, "Well, why are they paying four million in Pullman and two point six in Boulder?" Hmm. Uh, you, you know, when you look, well, at, obviously Pullman is where all the money is. There's not really well, money in Boulder, <laughs> no, Ty. I mean, they're not. It's not like they're swimming in it in Aspen. <laughs> no, but you, you just sit, you sit there and you go, and, I, and I've heard different guys talk about it, and we all, we all talk about the Power Five, but what really is the Power Five? If, if you really are talking just football, it's really the Power Two. It's the Power Two. It's in, the Big Ten in, and the SEC. It's the Big Ten and the SEC. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, and you know, with, with, fans, with fans, especially the fan bases, you know, they get, they get so emotionally tied to these programs and I get it. You, I mean, you want you want to you want to rally around your program, but you just sit there and you go, "Boy, uh, you know." It, it, I think one of the slogans in the SEC is "It just matters more," all right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's 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 a good catchphrase. It's kind of like the Pac-12, the the Conference of Champions. Mm-hmm. But you sit there and you think, "Boy, I, I think it does matter more." I, I I do. You know, does it matter more in Tuscaloosa or Tucson? Right. You know, does it, does it matter more in Starkville, Mississippi or, or Seattle, Washington? And, and you just sit and you look at the landscape of college football and you go, boy, and, 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 it, and it happened, it started happening, you know, a few years back when you saw these, these, uh, 
the, the conference shifts, right? And, and Nebraska is now a Big Ten program, and, and Colorado is now a Pac-12 program, and West Virginia is in the, in the Big 12, and TCU, and it's just going... You, the regional ties kind of disappeared, minus the SEC in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. with the exception of Nebraska joining the conference. And Even that is, is regional, though, when they split it in divisions east and west. I mean, right? they're... They're in proximity, certainly, to the Michigan schools, to Wisconsin, right. Iowa. I, I think I think people you know, in my in my friend base and just following uh, Colorado football, I think people were mostly just bent out of shape at the way it happened. But but we but you know we started the show guy guys saying okay if they go with a sitting head coach, it was going to be tough on on whoever they chose. Totally, and it just happened to be at, at, at CU where the guy was only there a year, and you know it's not like he went and played in the holiday bowl or something, they didn't go to a bowl, you know? So you're taking a first year head coach. And I know, uh, you know, from, from everything I've heard, he's an exceptional coach, an exceptional guy. He saw an opportunity to go home, so to speak. He played, he played at Wisconsin, I believe. Is that, is that right? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So yep. he's a big 10 guy. He grew up, I think in Cleveland where, where the bulk of yes. his family still is, which I think is a couple few hours away. And so, so I think a lot of it makes sense in terms of the move for him. It just uh, obviously rubs an entire fan base the wrong way because literally that day, like the, as the ink is drying and he's signing this, he's at booster functions, you know, wearing black and gold and the next day he's wearing green and white. I want to get into the challenges of football in the West overall, because I do think the fact that it, it just matters more is such a telling slogan. Cause I think that we've seen it from the top down, whether it's the PAC 12 all the way through and the Montana schools and the Big Sky are one of the, some of the teams that have been sort of outside of the rest of what's happened to the West in general. But first, you'd mentioned some of the uphill battles at Colorado. When you were at Colorado in the late 90s, Colorado had a rolling. They, they were in the mix every year in the Big 12. That, I mean, that game where they pounded Nebraska to go to the Big 12 championship yep. game, when they had Eric Crouch, I never forget that game. I remember being a kid, watching that thing, and just being like, wow, where did CU come from in this one? But... Since then, it's been largely uphill, and they really haven't been able to really find their footing. What are the factors? Why? Why is it hard to recruit in Boulder? Why are they facing the challenges that they do? Yeah, and it's it, it, so if you just if, if we want to get you know like an old girlfriend, they either get hysterical right or or historical. So I'm going to get just a little bit historical right now. All right, if you talk about the tw- from 1980 to 2000, okay, that that essentially is the glory years of Colorado football. Mm. Okay, they went to 13 bowls. And they won seven of those, okay, including a national championship, all right? If you look at the 20 years since then, all right, 2000 to 2020, they've been to six bowls, winning one, a Houston Bowl over UTEP, all right? Unfortunately, and it's sad, it's sad to, to verbalize this and say it out loud, they've had one winning season since 2006, Right, uh, you're on you're on your computer, Coulter. How's how's my fact so far? Is that it's all sounding right? Yes, it's right. I mean, they've had one winning season. That, that was a couple years ago. That was a few years ago. They, they won the right? they won the Pac-12 South. Yeah, they can't sustain what what looks like a little bit of good mojo and a little bit of momentum. They can't sustain it, and then they fire a guy. All right. So now, in the last twenty years, so I've already I've already said they've been to six bowl games, winning one of them against UTIP. We're working on like. The sixth head coach, or what, what, what's about to be the the fifth or sixth head coach in that time. Totally. And I think it's hard for a program to keep, you know, every few years, three, four, five years, you know, if if 
in your mind that that level of success isn't there and then starting over again, that's hard on a program. Isn't it, isn't it a situation too where if you are a, 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 in a high major conference, say power five, I realize power two, but you, all these, all of these schools believe that they are like destination jobs, but in the psyche of the coaches, broadly speaking, coaches with a great experience and so forth, there's, there's a handful of destination jobs, and then there's a handful of other jobs which are good jobs in their own right, but maybe not. This is the place that I've always envisioned myself being and want to be. And it feels like Colorado right now is that to a lot of coaches, to a guy like Mel Tucker who doesn't have, quote, Colorado ties as such. He comes in, doesn't know, of course, that he's going to get an opportunity at Michigan State in 365 days from the start of it or whatever it is. But also, he didn't come to Colorado going, here I am. I mean, he did verbally, I'm sure, because they all do. But he, this this is the place that I absolutely want to be. This is where my career's got to go. This is the place where he's launching his career uh, especially to when start com- off Especially from. when he's coming from Georgia and then right. Alabama yes, before yes. that. Right. No, it, uh, I think it was Danny Cannell. uh when he was talking about the Mel Tucker move, he called it a lower tier power five. And and you sit and you listen to it and you go, you know, how dare he? Mm -hmm. But he's probably right. And that's really sad to say. And, and, and I, and I'm not going to say it, but I, I think he, he said it and he almost, it's hard to disagree with him in that regard, because um, if you're, if you're a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator the way Mel Tucker was at, at, a, at a school like Georgia, and you get an opportunity to go coach the University of Colorado Buffaloes, you absolutely do it, you know, and, and, and he doesn't have a crystal ball. And I mean, shoot, I, I, from what I have heard and what I've read, he turned him down like two, maybe three times before they came back with, okay, here's $5.5 million, which is now going to make you, I think, the second highest paid coach in the Big Ten. I'm assuming that'll change with a contract, uh, a new contract for Ryan Day. We're going to give you $6 million in an in assistant salary pool. You know, that's the thing as a head coach. You know, it, yes, it can change your life and change your own family's life, but you're also talking about 10 other coaches, or at least on-field coaches and, and their families. And that's, that's big money. And that's just what it's become guys. It's, it's, there's, it's just such big money. And it's, it, it, like I said, it's interesting times and I, and I, and I'm listening to your shows. I mean, your, your, your deal on the recruiting, recruiting is getting crazy. So So then you take, let's talk recruiting. Cause you, you, you just talked about, I mean, Colorado is kind of pounding its chest right now about having the 35, 35th ranked recruiting class back in the nineties like you guys were, were, were talking about, we, we, I mean, I think I was part of the number one recruiting class. <laughs> right. Seriously. I, I, th- I believe we were. I think we were number one or number two in the country. Right. And it's just, w- when you talk recruiting, okay, so now we've moved away from the, coach, the, the money that the, coaching, the coaches are making. You go, to a, you go to a conference like the Big Ten or the SEC, they have recruiting departments of, 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 of 10, 11, 12 people. That that's their job. They're, 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 they're a value. And now coach, coaches still come into play. Don't get me wrong. But, but the days of picking up your landline or having your mom yell down, Hey, you know, Hey, Ty SC's on the phone. Okay, mom, hold on. I'll, I'll grab the phone. They've got whole departments sending kids, uh, uh, the edits and, and all this stuff. And, and it's just, a different world. When and yet they're still faxing in their signed piece of paper. <laughs> so go well, figure on that. Oh.
Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. To tell Nuance 1029 ESPN Radio. <laughs> Here's, here, uh, we, we argue about I love the FCS for a lot of reasons. First of all, I'm from Montana, so I love the Montana schools. I love the stories of the kids that come out of Montana and, and quote-unquote, hit it big with the Cats or the Grizz and what that means to them. I think it's also great. But also, I mean, I obviously understand that the highest level of football and college football is played in the SEC and the Big Ten, no doubt. But to me right now, the money is so impactful that the stratification is just exactly what you think it should be, and that's what drives me crazy. I, when you have a school like Colorado who's spending millions of dollars and making millions of dollars on football, but it pales in comparison to the amount of money that's being spent and made at places like Florida, Georgia, Alabama, I don't know how you ever break through. It seems as if the stratification of who are the powers is going to remain that way forever because how do you catch Ohio State if you're Colorado? They have twice as much money as you, and that's the thing that drives me crazy, especially living out west, because if Oregon can only flirt with it with the amount of money they spend? If Washington can only flirt with it with the amount of money they spend, how is anybody else ever going to break through? It just seems to me like the system is established where the hierarchy is going to have almost no fluctuation going forward. Yes, and it doesn't help where, in terms of the West Coast, probably the most tradition-rich perennial powerhouse, SC, is down. That totally. doesn't that doesn't help, okay? And, and, and why have we seen this emergence in Oregon who, who, oh, by the way, you know, all the money you're talking about them spending, they have zero national championships. Yeah, they've never won. Washington Washington is a fantastic program. Four, four years ago, they're in the playoff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic program. They've been, they've been a national champion, but, it, but it's been since almost 91. 30 years, since yeah. 1991. Yeah. 91. Yeah, Steve Bittman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, it, it, that, that's, a, that's a very good question, and I think it's a tough question uh, to answer because... I don't know how you know. I don't know how you catch up to it. I really don't. But here, here's the thing, though. Okay, because if you rewind the clock sure. a decade or less, Clemson wasn't even on the radar in this sort of conversation. It's interesting. And, and now they are not on the radar. They are the standard in many ways. And the reason to me is because they found that guy. They found the guy who said, "This is the place I want to be. This is the place I'm going to go and make it happen." And he's obviously very talented in Dabo Sweeney in terms of what he does and how he does it. And to me, the way that you break through, if you are 
I won't call them the have-nots. Nobody's a have-not as such, but aren't at that same $200 million, $150 million, whatever it is, athletic budget that some of these schools are at. It's because you find the guy at the spot who says, I'm going to do this here, let's go, and, and, and follows through on that. And that is rare. I mean, you can't just find that guy, right? I, I, th- I think a great example uh, is Kirk Ferenz at Iowa. Yeah. And, and I say that, again, zero national championships, but they found a guy who is a good man, a good coach, and they have stuck by him mm-hmm. through thick and thin. And it wasn't always, no pun intended, roses. I mean, it right. wasn't always roses at Clemson with, when Dabo Sweeney was early in his career. In fact, one time he went into a, an article I read, he went into a, a meeting with the AD thinking he was truly getting fired. Uh, and you look at, you look at Iowa. All right. What are you going to get with Iowa or Wisconsin? You, you said Wisconsin. They're going to be very, very good every year. They're probably, you know, minimum going to be an Outback Bowl right. or a Holiday Bowl. And then, and then every now and then, right, every, one, you know, every, every three, four, five years, mm-hmm. they're going to have a team where, where they're being talked about potentially as a national champion. Now, whether, can they get there or not uh, as of late? No. Well, maybe because, find themselves in a Rose Bowl right, at well, right, the least or right. whatever you know, it might be. And, yeah. and, and what they've done, I mean, Kirk Ferenz has been there since 1999, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. right? He's in his 20th season. Yep. Yep. or just finished his 20th year, or he's about to go into his 20th season, they, they, have, they have sustained success. I'm sure, I'm sure the old Iowa faithful would, would absolutely love to get a national champion uh, like every program wants to, but it, those, those things are hard. You know? and, and, and Clemson, talking about the, the power two, so to speak, Clemson is one of those rare exceptions, kind of like w- what an Oklahoma is right now. Now, Oklahoma's got a ton of tradition and a ton of history and Clem- Clemson Clemson does too, honestly, but it's, it's like you got the power to, and then you've got these other ones that, okay, Notre Dame as an independent life is better when Notre Dame's good because people are going to tune in. People are always going to tune in anyway. SC when SC's good, people are going to tune in. Yes. Pete Carroll had it rolling and they were awesome. I think the highest rated national championship in, in modern times was Texas versus SC. Mm-hmm. And you've got, You've got the SEC that slugs it out every year in the Big Ten where you're talking about two, three teams potentially to make the playoff. The, the SEC has two, three teams. Clemson, where are they going to be at? Is Notre Dame going to actually you know, be able to, to finish it this year? And then you got Oklahoma. I mean, it, it, I was sitting there uh, you know, during bowl season, and you're sitting there going, Oklahoma and Oklahoma fans are going to walk away going, you know, with their, with their heads down because they just lost in a playoff. Where you sit there and you go, Oregon, Oregon just had a – dream type season because they're walking away smelling roses, you know, and it, right. it, it's, it's perception. And, and again, it's col- college football is in a funky place right now. And I, I have a tough time seeing anybody catching up to the top two or three in the big 10 in the sec. And then I'm going to, I'm going to throw Clemson obviously in it. Cause yeah. you have to, you right. have to throw Clemson. In. I think Clemson will be in it again next year. If you want the truth. Two total was one tonight, ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana television. Join by former Big Sky assistant coach Ty Gregorak talking some college football. The two examples that jump to mind in terms of schools that are spending a ton of money and can't break through? Texas. Michigan and Texas. Yes. But what I'm hearing from you is that coaching consistency is so important. Iowa's had it. That's why Iowa's almost never bad. They are solid at the very least, like you said, and a lot of times flirting with the Rose Bowl and sometimes in the mix as a top 10 team. 
I think you see it across the country. Wisconsin's actually had a little bit of movement lately. They have. And yeah. and Paul Chris has sort of evened that thing out he the has, last couple but, of years. But yeah. Forever with Barry Alvarez, they mm-hmm. had such stability. For sure. And then they kind of went through with Bielema and then back to Paul Chris. And who was the other guy? There? Gary Anderson was there for a minute, yeah, I mean, right? Bielema was actually there for a substantial amount of time and did a, a, a really nice job. Right. And, you know, his tenure was good. But, yeah, when you had Anderson for just two years or whatever, and I think he was like, he was fired, right? I mean, he, it wasn't like he just picked up and left, they were like, mm, this ain't working. Well, he, is that what Gary Anderson, Gary, Gary Anderson bolted for Oregon, Oregon State, State which, right. was, which was an interesting move. Yeah. But, but um, yes, what, what you're saying I think is, is accurate. But where I think sometimes, sometimes a new head coach is exactly what a program needs, mm-hmm. uh, an infusion of, 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 of passion and energy. And, and, but when it becomes a uh, habit or becomes repetitive over four or five years, oh, didn't didn't not where we want out with the old let's get a new one you know and, and then and then four or five years later out with the out with that one in with the new one. i think that gets hard on a program that's what i'm saying and i want to localize this a little bit because you spent 12 years at the university of montana montana had as much as many coaching changes as anybody in the country both because of guys having upward mobility I mean, you talk about from the first national championship in 1995 then don reed retires you go from Mick Dennehy to Joe Glenn, and then when you guys got hired with Bobby Houck the first time around, and then Coach Houck leaves, and then all of a sudden, it's Robin Flugrat and Mick Delaney, and then Bob Stitt, and now back to Bobby Houck. But that is an insane amount of coaching changes. And I think that when you look at it from uh, inside level, people would have said, you know, this last decade it hasn't compared to where Grizz football once was. But to me, I think it's amazing that the level of expectation and consistency there's only been one losing season at University of Montana since 1985. You see other teams around the country, even if teams like Texas that are spending hundreds of millions of dollars, they bottom out and they have multiple losing seasons in a row. So Montana never reached that level. But from an insider perspective, how hard is it when you go through coaching change after coaching change, regardless of the reason that the change happens? Well, I, I, I think what you're saying is, is right. But I think that when you look at, so, so Don Reed had, had the, the program at the highest level in, in the, the, the peak, right? Absolutely. He retires. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you hire within, he moves on, but, to, it's, but it's still continuity. Right, 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 right. right. But what I'm saying is the, the, the first few coaching changes you made or, or, or talked about those coaches had the program at an extremely high level mm-hmm. and moved up. Right. The last few coaching changes, they were removed essentially. I mean, right. I, I mean, basic, right. Basic, basic, I mean, with, with coach flu, uh, coach Delaney, and then Coach Stitt, right? So you're talking about different coaching changes, and and I think everyone in this community has to compliment the job that Bobby Houck has done no in doubt. year in year two. Um, but those cha- you can't you can't deny prior to this year that that those coaching changes over you know two years for Flu, three years for Delaney, three years for Stitt that had an impact on the program, and and I think most everybody could say realistically and logically that it had a negative effect on the program Absolutely. because, Question. because it's taken that long to get back to, um, you know, playing Weber state in the quarter quarterfinals. Is that right? right. Yeah. Yep. So it, it, listen, every situation is different, right? Every mm-hmm. program is different. Every situation is different. I just, I just think that more often than not, like who, who are you going to find at Michigan, that's going to do a better job than Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> totally. Say what, say what right. you want about his khakis and tucking in sweatshirts, <laughs> but who's going to go in there at, at that place and do a better job than he is? Right? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Tom, Tom Herman's 
the, the problem is, is he got it going, right? He got it going, beats Georgia in the sugar. All right. Yeah. And, and we're it, back. It, we're ba- well, right, right. Yeah. And probably, probably could have left the we're back statement out. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, maybe do it, may, you know, may back it up one more year and then talk about being yeah, back, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you think, you think if Texas makes a change next year, it, it won't set the program back? I don't, you don't know. You don't have a crystal ball. I mean, Mel Tucker leaving. Uh, who, who knows who they're going to hire? Is it going to is it going to set the program back another five years? I don't know. You just don't know. It's two tell me one us one two nine ESPN Radio. Ty Gregorek in studio with us. You got you got another segment in you. Wanna I can't stick wait around here. Okay, now here because I wanted you to be here for this. Okay, we're going to give away two tickets to Corn on Sunday night right now. Okay, when I tell you to don't call yet, don't flood David in the back yet, people. Okay, we'll get there, but. If I'm not mistaken, tell me if this is right. You saw Marilyn Manson and Nora Jones in like a three-day period. Is that right? I mean, that is quite the genre <laughs> swing, Ty, to go to go from, uh, I believe it's King Death on Twitter for Marilyn Manson and then Nora Sweetheart Sultry Jones. Listen, I, I've, I've basically been in Montana since 2003, right? Yeah. I had my little hiatus in 2010, so we were talking 16... Yeah, pushing. I'm pushing almost 17 years. Yeah, if it comes to town, we're going. All right, we're, we're going. And, and, and guys, and guys, I don't know who's going to win the tickets. Candace and I'll be there Sunday night. Hey, that's right? what I'm talking we're, about. The, la- the last time Corn was here was at the Wilma Theater yep. in 2012, and we were there. So we are we are making we are making a weekend out of it. We, Absolutely, we'll be there with our old concert shirts on. And yes, we actually we had to go to a wedding. Speaking of Mick Delaney, it was Mick Delaney's granddaughter who used to be our babysitter. We had to go to a wedding, and it broke my heart to to sell the Manson tickets. So mm. we, we did oh. not go. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, you I, had them in hand. Oh yeah. And it was no, I, could, I couldn't wait. I have yeah, seen Marilyn. Yeah, Man- yeah, I saw yeah. Marilyn here in Missoula. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, like I said, if they if you build it, they will come. Well, and, and, and all if, I'm gonna ask you is this, okay? On Sunday, okay. Just be gentle with me down there, okay? Because I will be down there, but like you know, just just be gentle with me, okay? My my, uh, my, my, my mosh pitting days are no. Are, come on, are I don't another, believe that another. for a second. You, you made a career out of it. Out of the two of you oh, to, stop to with be this. Doing this! Stop with this! I, I I swear to God, guys, and this is not a lie. If my son Jax, who's four years old, if he was here right now, and you said, "What's your favorite song?" or, or "We're going to play a song on the radio," he would say, "Play Coming Undone by Corn." Oh, he's four. <laughs> He's four. That's good, man. Well, then, join Coulter, myself, and the Gregorax. Sunday night, 329-1899. Call right now. We got a pair of tickets for you to go see Corn and Breaking Benjamin at the Adams Center. 329-1899. Pair of tickets right now. We return with Ty Gregorak right after this. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. 
let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. Ty, a couple more things I wanted to go through with you on this because we've talked a lot sort of about coaching and programs and how to get a program to be good. What we haven't talked a lot about are the players. And I find it, I, I don't have a good answer for this, but it's such an odd thing to be a coach who is in families' living rooms talking with kids, talking about the vision of the program and what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And I'm not saying that any coaches are being disingenuous or lying, although I'm sure that that has happened at times where guys knew that they were leaving and kind of selling a bill of goods that wasn't the case. But nonetheless, you are trying to get a kid to sign, you know, on the dotted line for the next four or five years of his life and a significant portion of what his future is going to be with you in this place. And then to have... I don't know, a windfall of $3 million call you elsewhere. Again, it's hard to necessarily sit here and criticize somebody for making that choice, but also it's more than just, well, I'm not being a stockbroker anymore. I'm going over here to be, you know, a car, you know, run a car dealership or whatever it might be. You're talking about sort of this added human element to this that I think is is somewhat profound and it's such an interesting thing because those are that's what ultimately makes it successful right so how 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 do you think about this whole process in this well you know it, it's it's funny you you say that and I, I didn't know we were going to go there um, so what Colorado's going through and what a lot of programs go through each off season I went through as, as a player and and that number one recruiting class that, that I was talking about we went through it and we had just beaten uh, Oregon uh, with Akili Smith in the 1998 Aloha Bowl. And I can't remember exactly how many weeks had gone by, um, but I know that it was a recruiting weekend because I was hosting a, a, a linebacker out of California, the way I remember it. And um, Coach Neuheisel had decided to leave. Um, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. So the house I lived in was basically all recruited by Bobby Houck. Um, we, we, the group of four or five of us were all recruited by Bobby and I'll never forget Bobby coming to our house. And I don't, I, I, I don't remember if he cried or, you know, if at least there was a, sh- uh, a tear, you know, welling up a little bit because he really didn't know what he was going to do as mm. an assistant. You know, I don't know if he'd had the conversation with Rick, uh, coach knew at the time that he was going to go to Washington or not, you know, and it's funny, you know, we're sitting about, we're sitting here talking about 5.5 million reasons to, to depart a school. Rick left for just a little over a million. And at the time that was, that was one of the highest paying jobs in the country at the time. Now you're talking about 15, 20, 25 coordinators in the country that are million plus guys, (laughs) you know, just how, how times have changed. And, and I, I cannot sit here uh, and tell you guys that it didn't hurt. You know, you, you, I remember, I remember my mom and my grandpa at, at the, at the dining room table saying, you know, do, do you, you're, do you think you'll leave ever? I mean, you're kind of a hot young name in the coaching profession right now. And, and, you know, I, I think he said something along the lines of, and, and what was, what was probably the truth was I'm committed to see you just like Mel Tucker was committed to see you until, until they basically threw an offer at him that he couldn't refuse. And as a player, it's hard. It is hard because you, it's easy to say, and, and you're going to sit and see veteran guys say, you know, you choose the, you choose the school, right? Because you want to go to the school and represent the school. But, but the human part of it, like you're talking about the human element, you, you, you like to go to a place where you feel a real bond with these coaches, the guys that you're going to play for and go to battle with. And, and it was hard. And, and I took it hard. I really did. I, 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 uh, you know, I can't tell you that I didn't, um, 
I, I don't think I would have ever left CU, but you know, th- those emotions and those thoughts do go through your head. And I, I, I listen, I wasn't a great player. I, 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 I was a decent player. I was surrounded by great players. I played with, I mean, I played with Dan Graham and Andre Girard and some dudes that were f- flat dudes that, that played long, long careers in the NFL. Jay Sean Sykes. And I mean, there, there's some other dudes that, that I played with where you're sitting there going, wow, <laughs> you know, I'm just a white boy from Spokane, man. I mean, they, <laughs> you know, you see some of these dudes and they're, they're they can play. Um, no, it, it's hard. It, it is hard, and, and you build these relationships. You, you build those relationships. You know, I, I've known Coach Out guy since I was 16 years old. You know, when, when that first recruiting letter came through, and you know, I've, I I remember when his girls were born. You know, I remember when Robbie was born. I mean, I, you just build those relationships. And I was fortunate enough. I didn't even play my senior year. And I didn't grow up wanting to be a football coach. I mean, some some kids, you know, the brand, the Brandon Fishers of the world, where, where, where they grow up, you know, uh, you know, around ball, you know, that that's kind of what they're destined to do, so to speak. And I, I didn't I didn't know that I wanted to do it. And I'll never forget Coach New calling and saying, do you, do you know, you want to come give this a shot as a, as a GA? And and it just it was hard to say no. I mean, it was the University. Of, well, I actually grew up. Uh, wanting to be a Husky and, and in the state of Washington. And both my parents went to Washington. They met at Washington. Um, and so it was, it was an easy yes, you know, and, and I'll never forget him saying, you, you'll find out in a hurry if you really want to do this because we are going to work you like a dog. And they did. And it just, it, it all happened. I'll, I have no regrets. I mean, you know, you can't sit there and go, well, what if I would have gone to Stanford or SC or Ohio State or, you know, one of the other visits that I took? You can't look at it like that because my, my whole life, any way you cut it is based on saying yes and, and getting the opportunity to go, go to the University of Colorado because then it, it led me to the University of Washington and then it led me to Missoula, Montana, you know, and I've been in Mon- Montana almost ever since, you yeah. know, and so, um, it, you know, ki- ki- they're kids, you know, they, make no mistake, you're, you're talking about 18-year-old kids and even, even the older guys on the team, 22, tw- you know, 21, 22, 23-year-old, they're still kids, you know, so you, it, it's hard, it, for sure, it's hard on on their families, you know, because you, you are, you are, you're a salesman. (laughs) Right. I actually used that line when I was interviewing with Stryker, you know, it's like, guys, I've been doing, (laughs) I've been doing this for 18 years. You know, I've been, I've been selling, you know, I've been selling, you know, you're just selling in a different way and selling to different people. And, and, uh, so anyway, it's, it'll be interesting to see. And I don't, we don't need to talk much more about Boulder, but you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens down there. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a very, very special place that's been, you know, kind of trying to find its way back to those glory years of, of the late 80s and early 90s and into the mid-90s for quite some time now. we got two different recruiting questions for you. Oh, boy. Number one, I thought that both Bobby Halleck and Jeff Choate, this recent signing day, touched on this in a different, sort of similar but different fashions, but they both talked about the evaluation element of recruiting, especially at this level, because... As Coach Choate said, when you're looking at a guy like Dante Fowler or a guy like Danny Shelton, the evaluation's very easy. You watch him for two plays, you say, okay, that guy could probably play at mm-hmm. anywhere in the country. It's a little bit different evaluating guys at the FCS level, especially because you're projecting. So much of these guys are developmental guys, especially when you talk about the offensive lines, the defensive lines. How hard is it to, re- to evaluate, and what are the hardest positions to evaluate when you're recruiting at the FCS level? Well, that, and that's a great question, and I think I think one of the things um, where you know when when Montana was rolling for a long time, they they didn't have to they didn't have to go 
too far from Montana to find big men and um, develop them. Not not always, right? I mean, there was there was always you know the the good out of state players. I mean, shoot, when you know that that last couple of years that we were here, boy, we you know the Levi Horns and yep. and uh, the J D Quins. Um, we had some we had some dudes up front, but you know those guys were also complemented by the Colin Dows and the Taryn Hillslands and and those big men that we could find in Montana. Um, the FCS level, it, 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 you're you're right. It is a wonderful level of football. Um, you know, with, with football, a lot of people don't understand this with football, you can break up scholarships mm-hmm. with others, with other sports. Um, you can't always do that. Right. You know, like, I mean, just using volleyball as an example, because that's near and dear to my heart and my family, you know, you're, you're either a full scholarship or you're a walk-on. Right. And there's obviously still the level of walk-on in football, but one of the, one of the very cool things is you can break up scholarships and, and, you know, I've, we've had conversations over the years. It's like, you know, wouldn't it be kind of cool if everyone got a half and then, and then what they got from then on, they earned, you know, I mean, obviously that everybody would, half, right. That's right. interesting. You know, theory, that, right? that would never happen obviously right. because, right. because you're going to have those battles in States for in state for the Croy Beermans of the world. And, and, and kids where you just know you're going to have to, the Brock coils where you're going to have to throw a full. Were uh, they good? They were good. Huh? <laughs> Croy and Brock. They, yeah, they were very okay. good. Okay. Very thanks. good. Um, Good insight, but, but no, I mean it's it, it's a it's a wonderful level. It's uh, it's an interesting one to uh, recruit. Uh, to answer your question on the evaluation, I always thought it was uh, challenging to evaluate, and may, maybe this was just from my perspective because I was a defensive guy. I thought it was hard to to uh, to evaluate offensive linemen. I, yeah. re- I really did, just because you know d- different guy, and I'm the same way. We all fall in the same boat. We have like certain, you know, I, I, I want them all to look like. Dante and Brock and Caleb and just these big dudes that, you know, you just hope to develop a little bit and let them do their thing, you know? Um, or, you know, the, the, the six, five, six, six kid who maybe he's a little skinny in high school, but, but he's got that shoulders and those legs and that big butt that, you know, he's just going to grow. Just give him time. The Dylan McFarlands and Mm -hmm. the Chad germers of the world. And the, you know, these people were, they're just big, long men that if, if they eat right, and they're in a good weight program, and, and they put the work in that you, you've done that r- work too. You know they're a hard worker. You're, they're going to build themselves into these fantastic players. But I always thought offensive line was a challenge. You know, the quarterback, boy, the quarterback position, you know, you sit there and you watch high school tape, and you're like, wow, that kid can play, right? I mean, he can just flat play. How's that going to translate into the college game? And, and, that, and that's true with everybody. I mean, defensively, you know, as a linebacker, Shoot, you you know Dante is obviously special because because his measurables are so so special. But you know, I, I sure loved having uh, John Paul Kenangata and, and Herbert Gamboa and guys that were undersized but could flat run and hit and love to hit and love football. And I think that right there is the hardest part of the evaluation anymore: is do you love football? Or, right. or, or are you just uh, enjoying the Twitter game? And I'm blessed and honored to receive. And I mean, I saw a kid, I, st- you know, I still, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, you know, all the people that I follow on Twitter because it's still probably most of, you know, the coaching, my coaching circle. And, and you know, so I get these kids tweets and stuff because they like them or retweet them. I guess you can't, I don't know, even know what you can do anymore. It's been exactly one year and 15 days since I was in that game. But, you know, I saw a kid, he's like, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to say this to the to the world, but I'm gonna I'm gonna move my my commitment date, you know, past June 28th, and I actually had to reread it. I'm like June 28th, like 
you're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to commit on June 28th. Like what, what's so special about that day? You're going to commit in the summer. I mean, one, one kid I saw my, my, my top 14. I mean, I, I mean, I actually, I actually took a picture of it. I mean, I took a picture of it. I'm like, and, and I'll tell you why I took a picture of it because I thought it was so funny. I mean, oh yeah. All right. I, I'm not going to say names, but his top 14 is Alabama, South Carolina, Cal, UCLA, Oregon, Colorado, Tennessee, Miami, Auburn, Washington, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Arizona State, and Oregon State. And this is in order. It's an edit, right? It's an edit of the kid and then his top 14, and I'm going, okay, so are, are these like the ones that have you know, showed you love? Have they offered you? <laughs> but, then, but then I had to laugh. I'm like, okay, Alabama, <laughs> Ohio State, Oregon State? You know, <laughs> no offense to my buddies at OSU, but you know, Colorado, UCLA. I'm going. Wow. Why okay. don't you reply and say who was 15th? Well, who no, didn't make the not, cut. No, but it's just it, it's such a. Does the kid genuinely love ball? Yeah. That's I think that's the toughest questions to 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 dig in and find out anymore. Is he gonna Is he gonna pay, play through pain? Is he gonna take days off during the week because you know because he's you know he's not feeling great. You know these are the things you, that you try to find out from coaches and, 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 and the player themselves. And it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. And it, it, you guys always hear the, it's no science, right? It, recruiting's no science. I think you just look, look for certain measurables. You look for certain, you know, length and speed and, and, uh, you know, a certain level of football IQ. I mean, you, you guys would be shocked if you knew how much football and different things these kids know now than we didn't know Coming out of coming out of high school, from things like I don't know Madden, and and and, and things totally. that they you know playing video games and and I mean I Candace and I refuse to let our kids be idiots or gamers or whatever you guys want to call them, but I mean you sit and you, you talk to some of these kids and they're talking like schematic stuff and you're like, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. I didn't I don't think I knew that till I was yeah. like coaching, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just different world, man. I mean, you you we talked about it at the break with the with the phones. You know, yeah. my kid, my kids grab my phone and they flip to their stuff, and they I mean they can work these things better than myself. Ty Gregorak in studio with us. We got one segment left. It's gonna be a four minutes long. Great work by you. <laughs> Stay here. Stay here. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed, I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Listen, an hour ain't enough. A day ain't enough. But go ahead. It's true. It's true. 
this is a very broad question, and so we'll have to keep it a little bit short. But I think that one thing that people may you were talking about the fact that people don't really understand how split scholarships work at the FCS level. I think that another thing that people don't understand, especially when we're talking about the SEC and the Big Ten, is that there's a new rule that was passed a couple of years ago. First of all, you can text as much as you want, unlimited texting, unlimited Twitter. But also, if you have certified assistant strength coaches, those people then can be with the players all the time. So a staff like Alabama, they have assistant strength coaches for every single position who are just like the number two linebackers coach, the number two D-line coach. They could be talking scheme all they want in the weight room. As long as they're not drawn on the board, you're not breaking the rules. I think people don't understand that either. But you talk about the staffs and everybody, the way that they recruit now. I guess the question is, the recruiting game, I think that we could all agree, is out of control at this point. Is there going to be anything that changes that, though? It seems to me like we're just in this forever exploding world. I don't know when it's ever going to slow down. No. I don't see it slowing down. <laughs> well, good to have you in, so I Thank you for that. Now, you know, just... just piggybacking off of where we left off though in in terms of evaluation and what you're saying i have heard and maybe it was you that told me this coulter i I can't remember where i heard this or read this but let's talk about the team in fargo right Right. okay do you know who is very very much involved in recruiting i've heard this their strength strength coach coach. right who's the the one guy who's been there the whole way through yeah Yeah. he's been their strength coach since 2004 and they bring their evaluations specifically of offensive and defensive linemen to him he has the final say and he looks at this kid and he says yeah i've seen this version of 65240 we can get him to 285 in a year let's do it right i I remember it was uh i used to recruit um Minnesota, and I remember, you know, you recruit Minnesota, you're going to be recruiting, you want to be recruiting against North Dakota State because, um, you know, they recruit Minnesota so hard. And I re- remember recruiting a quarterback. He was like a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six kid from, like, northern Minnesota. And I, and I brought him to the table one time, and I'm like, guys, I don't know, I don't see him as a quarterback. But, and, and North Dakota State wasn't in the, in the mix yet. But I'm like, this is the kind of guy that they're going to recruit and turn into a tight end or a tackle, and he's going to be a dude. Yeah. And sure, and sure enough, he went to NDSU. They switched positions, and and he's probably now one, what th- three or four, you know. So however many for I mean, as long as he's yeah, been there. Well, yeah, I mean yeah. it's just it's I don't see recruit recruiting is just getting crazier and crazier, and it's not stopping. Ty, awesome to be with you, man. Thanks for coming in here and hanging out with us. This has been a fun hour to deal with you. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, guys. Boys and girls, we'll be back tomorrow. More corn tickets. If you want to hang out with us some more, you can do it at the Adam Center Sunday night. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday evening. We'll see you Wednesday. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.